0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: God can use a personality who would be very task-oriented to share the message. God could use someone who's very outgoing to share the message. And frankly, sometimes I wonder if God uses the quietest ones to share the message even most effectively because then people can see that it's really all of God and not of that person who shares it. So whatever your personality, whatever your experiences are, some of you might be looking at your life and you say, if I look back and I look at my diary, I can see nothing but shattered lives, broken promises, mistakes that I have made, relationships that are in a shamble. Can God really use me? The answer, he can. Take ownership of the things that you've done. Ask forgiveness. Make restitution where you can and where you can't. Grieve it and leave it. Now you take that to the bank. And then you take right where you are and you move on for the Lord. But God says, I want to use people. Yes, I can use a gospel tract. And yes, I could use a speaker like a pastor, a great Bible teacher, whatever. But he says, I much prefer to use my sons and daughters for whom I died to share the message of hope with others because your life has technicolor your life has surround sound and you have relationships that no public speaker could ever have and God says I want to use you look at the verse it says here it says you shall be my witnesses now I know when you read that, especially those of you that are outside of Christianity and have been impacted by other religious groups, you hear the word witnesses there. And you think perhaps about those who might come to your door on a Saturday and they want to give you material and talk about certain things and they kind of get too pushy in your life and, and, and whatever it might be. And so you kind of shut down to anything that's religious. And I'm not here putting up against that group. But right now I want you to know that the concept of being a witness is not wrong. It is a very, very good thing. If I had someone that did something to me and it was my word against that person and that person wronged me, wouldn't I want a witness to what happened so the truth could be established so it's not just my word against that person's word? Of course I would. So witnessing is not wrong. It's a good thing. Wouldn't we want someone to stand with us publicly and testify, this is what's happened? Well, that's what the Lord is saying. I died on the cross basically alone But I want to know, is there any others that can witness to the fact that I did die and rise again from the dead? And this Bible is loaded with names, dozens, hundreds of names or people that have witnessed that. But more than that then, that's then, this is now. How many of you could stand up with the message of Christ and say, I'll be a witness. He did die and rise again. I know I'm going to heaven. My sins are forgiven. My guilt is gone. I know that He made a difference in my life he says, I'm just looking for witnesses. Now, in a sense, I'm kind of glad this is in English because if you saw that word witnesses in the Greek, you'd go nuts. I know I did. The Greek word, which doesn't mean so much how to pronounce it, it means martyr. So he says, I'm looking for martyrs. Now, when you hear that, you think every martyr's got to die. Well, not every martyr has to die, but I would like to say this. Perhaps every martyr needs to be willing to put their reputation on the line. And maybe it will cost you, not your life, But it might cost you a relationship or two. Now think with me. Just think. I know it's painful. I like everybody to like me. I want everybody to to appreciate me and all that. But the reality ranch is this. It's not going to happen. So now I have the choice, either my friends or family or those that I've known a long time, really admiring me and liking me and respecting me. And at the same time, selling Christ out. And I have Christ over here looking at me with a tear trickling down his cheek, thinking, you just sold me out. You know that I've done all this for you and you won't witness for me. Look at what they're doing for me and, and you're looking for the applause of your friends. And when you get to heaven, what am I going to do? Oh, I'll let you into heaven, but I can't give you as many of the rewards I want for you. And so over here, I have this choice. Do I want the approval of Christ in a sense? I have his acceptance. That, that's a given. No matter what I do, he accepts me. But whatever I do or don't do, that's the approval part. Or do I want that in my friends? He said, I just want a a witness. Now, there's a couple ways to witness. And by the way, they both have to be together. But one way to witness is by our life. And so if I live a life that's clean and pure before the Lord, I become a good witness. But on the other side of it, I can have a good, clean life, do everything right, have integrity, be friendly to people, kind, servant, do things, give. And at the end of my day, at the end of my week, at the end of my life, people are going to say, my, my... That man, Stan Pons over there, was really nice, he helped me when I needed, he was always friendly to me, he never talked about me, never talked about anybody negatively, he just cared for me. Guess what happens? That person who said that about me still dies and goes to hell. I get the praise, he gets no truth of salvation. Then you got the other person over here, they live like the Dickens, they do all the stuff that the world does. But yet at the same time, they don't mind talking about Jesus this and Christ that and the Bible this and salvation this and I'm a Christian, I go to church and all this stuff and they're talking over a bar stool somewhere about Jesus. And they want to know, is anybody really connecting to me? No, the world is sitting back here and they're, they're reinforcing their already existing negative opinion about Christianity and of course Christ is the starting of it. So that's it, it's all about Christ. And so we've ruined our name and ruined the name of Christ. Now if you want to see one super effective Christian, you take someone who's willing to authentically be filled with the spirit of God of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, a testimony of sacrifice to someone who's willing to open their mouth and to lovingly and tenderly and carefully and correctly and clearly and consistently share Jesus. You put those two commodities together in one blood-bought, born-again believer, pow, you've got an effective Christian. And he says, and you shall be my witnesses, my testifiers for me. So we have the power. The person is you and me. Let's look at the presentation for a moment, shall we? It says, you shall be my witnesses. Now we could talk a lot about that, and there is important things that we need to do. But I want to make this very, very clear. While we're sharing that wonderful message of hope, the caution is this, that we don't get so much wrapped up into a formula. Is it what some people refer to as the Roman's road? Is it the four spiritual laws? Is it the seven steps? Is it the good news, bad news? You know, what, what formula do we use? Is it the gospel cube or whatever? None of that is bad. Would to God that you would learn each of those because each one can be effective based on person and style and personality. True. But let's remember that those are nothing more than simple little transition points. But it's not just important for the friend or family member to know those points. They need to know the personification of those points. We are to be His witnesses, not His seven points in a poem witness. It's His witness. So when you explain what Christ has done for you, how exciting that is. When my father-in-law was on the phone this morning with Carol and me, he did not explain all the details of how they hooked up the sled, how they slid the sled by all the trees, how they carefully broke open the door and pulled him out, holding his head in case he had a spinal injury, laying him... They didn't go to any of that stuff. All he said is, those guys came and got me, you know? It didn't matter all the details. It didn't matter how they heard the call and where they drove and how they parked the truck and how many guys were with them. All it cared, I was rescued. Now, it is helpful. You've got to explain sometimes where you were, from where you've come, and how you got to where you are, and where you know you're going, which is heaven by faith alone. Yeah, you can explain that, but make sure that at the very heartbeat, the epicenter, That which is breathing is the person who did the work of the death and the resurrection. And you explained that he did it all. And he looked at me with eyes of love and he said, all you have to do is to accept me as your Savior. And all we have to do is place our simple childlike faith in him and have eternal life. So the issue again is presenting the person of Christ, who he is, God in the flesh, who did the work on the cross. And notice, he's not there now because it's finished. He's gone. It's done. And now you can have eternal life. So we have the power is the Holy Spirit. The person is you and me. The presentation is Christ. But finally, the place to begin. That's a good question. Where do I begin with all of this? Look at the verse here, it says. "He says, both in Jerusalem... This is where you're to be a witness. Both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. So the place to begin, I'd like to say, is wherever you are. The word both is the operative word. Some people say, well, you start here, and then you go there, you go there, you go there. No, no, actually the word both is the operative word. That means while you're in Jerusalem, you do there. But when you go to Samaria, you go there. When you're in Judea, you go there. When you're, Wherever you go, you're going to share the message of hope. And I really enjoy this passage right here because it tells me my Jerusalem is going to be my community. Now, if you don't mind, let me just try to contemporize this for a moment. I know my Jerusalem is Honolulu, okay? But maybe Honolulu is too big for me as I'm a new believer, let's say. And I, don't, I, wanna, I want them to know the, the hope that's for every man. I want them to know about the true meaning of Easter. But Honolulu is huge. The Ala Moana Mall is teeming with people. Well, maybe your little community is going to be your little street. Maybe for some of you, your little community is your paddling club. Your little community is going to be the people you meet at the mall that you know that you went there. Your little community could be maybe nothing more than your family that you have that has not heard a clear and a correct and a convicting message of why Jesus came, died, and rose again, the Easter message. That's your little Jerusalem. And maybe your little Judea will be where you work because you don't live at work. So that's your little outstation Maybe where you go to school. But it's wherever you are. Now, I want to speak to a mo- for a moment just to those older believers for a moment. Those of us believe in what is called the sovereignty of God. That means He has not only the right to be in control of everything, He is in control of everything. And because He is in control of everything, He either permits or prescribes events to happen. If you agree with that, can you say amen? amen. Alright, now if that's the case, then I'm going to believe based on the truths of that in scripture, that where I might go this week, that there will be people that somehow God will permit to cross my path that need the message of hope. And for some of you, you want them to have that message, but you're still, you're still a little nervous. The, the, the power thing is in you, but the, the, the power thing to get out through you is a little iffy right now. So for you, you're going to take a baby step. You're going to kind of, like a turtle, stick your head out just a little bit, let alone walk. But you're going to stick your head out. Your baby step, and I really reluctantly want to tell you this, because some of you will just say, oh, that's good, I can do that, and you'll stop. But if that's all you can do, that's your first baby step, do it. Here it is. You pray for those people that are in your Jerusalem, in your Judea, your Samaria, And you pray for them that they would come to faith in Christ that if you're too chicken to invite them, that someone else will to hear the message of the gospel. But now some of you are saying, oh, I could do that. That's easy. I can get out my little, my my Rolodex. I can get out my Palm Pilot. I got my family in there. I can go through that. It takes me some time, but I can do that. I can do that much. But I want to do more than that. I say, God bless you. Prayer is important, but sometimes we we hide behind that because it's a cop-out when he wants us to do more. So maybe for some of you, you might say, you know, I'm not ready yet to give the whole plan of salvation and invitation and all that. not there yet, but I can do this. I can at least do something to show my genuine care for that person so there's no manipulation. Bake them something, give them something, call them on the phone, send them a note, say something nice, and then say, you know, next Sunday... I haven't been going to church and you know that. You're probably laughing at me now because you hear this church thing. So would you just give this to me for a moment? I need this in my life right now and if you needed something like this in your life, I'd celebrate you too. I hope you know that. Don't you? And everybody would say, oh yeah, yeah. So celebrate this moment for me that I'm now entering into this church experience because I'm getting to know more about Jesus. And then say this. You know what would mean a lot to me? If on, on Easter, Resurrection Sunday, would you... Would you mind sitting with me and my family? You know, while people may resist Christ and everything there is about Christianity, they might not resist your humble, meek, kind, but yet loving, assertive invitation to sit with you. And here's what I can promise you on this end. I can promise you that the gospel message of his death and resurrection is mighty to save that we sung about. And I can promise you that as compassionately as I know how next week I will share that message correctly and clearly in a non-condemnatory way so that no one misses Easter because God loves your friends and now you really love your friends like He does and you want them to connect to Jesus. This last week we, we get in our, our mailbox a thing called the Midweek. How many of you get the Midweek? Anybody get the Midweek magazine? You get that? And usually they survey people. This one said, if I could have a do-over, I'd. Maybe you've seen that article. I won't read all of these, but they had a lady here who was a model. She said, if I could do it over, I'd have donated more money to the church. That's not a bad thing. This other gentleman, construction worker, he said, if I could do it over again, I should have been an engineer because that was my dream there's two people that are thinking, if I could have a do-over, I-, I wish I could do that over again. Another lady who's a sales manager, she said this, I would not let a boy ruin my surfing career. That's not bad, that was her do-over. Last one was this, his name was Paul, and he's a retired computer software specialist. He'd say, he said this, I probably would be a concert pianist because that's what I want to play. As I read these people and about these people, I thought, those are really, for the most part, they're admirable do-overs. But yet, let's say that they could do that over, and they did every one of those over again. If they did not trust Christ as their Savior, at the end of their do-over that they got, they still would miss heaven. And then I got thinking about me, what would I like to have a do-over? And of course, part of me says, I wish I could do this, wish I could do that, but even all that, that's no big deal. You know what the one that convicts me the most is I wish I had a do-over with some of the guys I work with when I was a new Christian and I didn't tell them about Jesus Christ. I wish I could have a do-over when I was getting into telling people about Christ and I was marginalizing them. I wish I could have had a do-over with some people that I've had conversations with even here in Hawaii that I did not somehow bridge into a comfortable conversation about the person of Christ. I wish I could have a do-over. And then I got thinking about you that if we surveyed you I hope you wouldn't want to have a a do-over and say, oh, I missed this opportunity. I pray that I could have that. Well, you can. Next week is the opportunity to do that. I want to end with this poem here and then give you an opportunity to come to faith yourself. It goes like this. The title of it is called You Forgot My Soul. Listen, is this convicting or what? It says, you lived next door to me for years. You shared our dreams, our joys, our tears. A friend to me, you were indeed... A friend who helped me when in need. My faith in you was strong and sure. We had such a trust that should endure. No spats between us ever rose. Our friends were like, and so our foes. What sadness then, my friend, to find that after all, you weren't so kind. The day my life on earth did end, I found out you weren't such a faithful friend. For all those years we spent on earth, you never talked of second birth. You never spoke of my lost soul and of the Christ who could make me whole. I hope no one could write that poem about me or you. And this week, we have a little invitation, a little opportunity for them to know that the hope is for every person. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed. For a moment right now, this message was about others. But right now, specifically, this message is for those of you that want to be assured of yourself going to heaven. The hope is for you. So here's what you need to do, folks. And this is where you need to lean into this. This is where you simply say to the Lord, Lord, I am a sinner. It's not necessary for you to identify your sins. We all are sinners but it is essential that you realize that you have missed the mark of any perfection to get into heaven. And that because of that, you're separated from God and will spend eternity in a horrible place that is referred to as hell. Now that's hard. We don't want to accept that. But you've got to do that. You have to see how lost you truly are for you truly then to turn yourself to Christ. And so to add to that is, you don't, you don't rectify the problem of your lostness by being good now and promising God you'll do this or do that or stop that or start this. It's you coming to Him and saying, Lord, I can never be good enough to get into heaven. I need you to rescue me. I am trapped in a life of sin and guilt. But Lord, I do believe that you died and rose again. How can I refute that? People saw that. They witnessed that. And it's true. And you did it for the sin of the world and mine. And so Lord, I'm here in this room with my sin paid for 2,000 years ago. And I want to receive that free gift of eternal life that you paid for So right now, I am placing my faith in you. I am trusting in you to honor your word when you said if I believed in you for the forgiveness of my sin, I could have everlasting life. Now, my friend, I'm giving you what you could pray, but it's not even a prayer that saves you. It's where you are truly trusting in Christ alone and not anything you do yourself. So remove any good works out of the equation. And just like a child, you trust In Jesus Christ, Lord God Almighty, who died and rose again. Now, if you're doing that, I'd like to pray for you. And so, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. Now, I want you to know that me praying for you will not get your sins forgiven. I'm just welcoming you into God's forever family. I'm praying for you because you have trusted Christ. You won't have to come forward. When I pray for you, listen, listen, I will not mention your name in my prayer, I will not describe you in any way. God knows that you've trusted Christ and I, in a general fashion, will welcome you into God's family by faith alone. But would you let me pray for you? Wouldn't you want a pastor to perhaps just pray for you to let you know that you're being born again right now and someone else is knowing it, someone else who rejoices with you? I'd like to do that. So with heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around, if today in here... You are trusting Christ as the Lord who died and rose again for the forgiveness of your sins so you can have eternal life. Would you slip up your hand right now and let me know? You've never trusted Christ before. You're doing it now. This is first and the last time because you do it once and for all, and that's it. Put your hand up high so I can see it. Is it today that you're trusting Christ? Is it? Put it up. Put it down. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Okay. Thank you. Christians, for all of us now, who would you put on your list of people that you would love because God loves them? Who would you put on your list of people this week that you're going to bring to Christ? Now, you can't save that person, but you're going to bring them to Christ. Bring them to the message of love, the hope, the forgiveness of sin. Who needs it in your life? And don't let Satan tell you that you've been too bad, you don't, can't do... uh, that's Satan, because he wants to stop this. And all you're doing now is saying, I'm not letting Satan have the victory. God's going to have the victory, and you're going to help me. So Lord, help me. So who will you put on your list? In fact, will you be here next week? Would you bring someone with you? To us, it's not about packing the church. It's not filling the building. To us, it's how many people can hear about Jesus Christ and have a relationship with Him forever. How many of you would like to have prayer because you're going to take what you heard today by the power of the Spirit as a person to present the wherever place you are the message of love and you'd like to have prayer. Would you slip up your hand? God bless you. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for what you're doing in our heart. The work of love and grace. I thank you that, Father, that this week, that this message will not leave us. It will not stay in the back of our Bibles as a little outline, but that you're etching it on our spirit, soul, and mind. And that through this week, you'll forever remind us that we have the power in you. And that, Father, we are the person to give the message. We've been called to do that. Yay, commanded to. And that, Father, that you are the one we're presenting. So we don't have to worry about people thinking of Christianity. It's all about you and only you. And that, Father, you'll take us to the place where there are people. You'll bring people across our places. And we're going to start now. So, Father, we give you the praise and the glory for that. As much as we do as we welcome those into our family by faith alone that trusted you as Savior today. And now, Father, they are new testifiers, witnesses who will share with others what you have done to change their life forever. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible.